Welcome to the Training Ground Guru podcast in association with Huddle. In every episode, we bring you insights into the teams behind the teams in professional football. Coming up on today's episode. Because each generation has its own, you know, challenges and and uh, each generation has their way of operating. And I think we need to understand, you know, this generation is 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 struggling massively with the distraction. I'm Simon Austin from Training Ground Guru, and our guest on this episode is Radhi Jaidi. Radhi is a true legend of Tunisian football, having gained 105 caps and every trophy there was to win at club level. Fans in England will know him best from his time at Bolton Wanderers, where he played under Sam Allardyce and helped the side qualify for Europe. Since 2018, he's been a coach, leading Southampton under-23s, Hartford Athletic in the USL and Esperance in Tunisia. Now he's back as assistant at Circle Bruges in Belgium and the team are flying high in the Pro League. Raddy told me about his tough childhood in Tunisia, his best times at Bolton and his coaching experiences and ambitions. We hope you enjoyed this episode and if you do, please give us a follow via your podcast provider. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast, Raddy. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the invite. And uh, yeah, it's a pleasure for, with, uh, to be with you guys. And can you just tell the listeners where you're speaking to us from, please? Uh, obviously, now I'm in Belgium, so uh, specifically in Bruges. So I've been uh, working as assistant coach, you know, for Circle Bruges since last year. As you can see, today is a bit uh, shiny day, but it's not, it's not normal. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, it's our lucky day. And how is the team getting on this season? Very well. Uh, I think I think you know we came from far. Um, obviously, this is my second uh, spell in in Circle. Uh, I came uh, season two thousand twenty one twenty two, and uh, that season obviously the the club and the team were struggling, and then we couldn't find our balance. We were playing the relegation, we were fighting the relegations, but yeah, and since that time, obviously the the uh, organization in generally uh, was progressing and then uh, we built a, a good base uh, and also a good uh, strategy uh, took the club you know to different level and now we obviously last season we played the playoff two uh, and then this season obviously we we've been in a top table uh, top seven at least you know throughout the season and hopefully we can push a little bit more uh, the next uh, couple uh, of uh, games, especially. And a couple of podcasts ago, we had Chris O'Loughlin on, who's the sporting director of Union saint gilois And they're top of the table, aren't they? They're a very good team. Yeah, Union is a, is a very good team. They have a good, uh, good players, good individuals, good coach. Um, obviously, they're playing the Champions League as well this season. Yeah, it's totally different level uh, and totally different strategy for, from us. Uh, but they always perform. They know how to win. They know how to uh, manage, obviously, the moment within the game. And this is uh, a key for, for, for our young team. Obviously, we have a young team, different, you know, strategy uh, to, to Union. We try to develop and also win games. Uh, sometimes we play with 22 average age, which is uh, probably one of the youngest teams in, in Europe. So, so it's totally different uh, uh, perspective and different different views. But... We compete in the same leagues, and so we, we try obviously to uh, to compete against teams like Unio, who has a good experience players. And another person we had on the podcast was Lawrence Stewart when he was the technical director at Monaco, and he was talking a little bit about the link up with uh, Circler. So, is that a very close union that you have with Monaco? Are they very involved with what you do? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Obviously, uh, I met Lawrence many times. Obviously, we've been working together under the same umbrella, which is the Monaco uh, company. I think same as the uh, same as our base uh, in Circle, and uh, so same as our progression in Circle. I think the link between you know the two uh, cl- uh, clubs uh, it getting even closer and uh, we try obviously to share 
the same principles and the same uh, values at least. We always have uh, a great uh, a connection with the uh, with the ownership and then the uh, the directors in in Monaco. And then lately we've been in a training camp in Monaco, so Circle we've been uh, using the same facility as Monaco. And then we've been using the same connections and uh, that give us a great uh, insight on how we can obviously get ourselves to that level. Uh, even though, again, it's the same same strategy and same same perspective, but uh, we're not far from there. So we're not far from each other. We know each other and the company on and off the pitch. Uh, we try to get as close as possible to each other and then uh, go together for the same uh, mission. And you talked about your team being very, very young. Is is that part of the strategy Monaco would set for you or where does that come from? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, uh, this is going to two aspects for me, which is uh, the uh, the region and the idea of uh, Circle and the Bruges, but also the strategy of uh, of Monaco and, and the, the company. Uh, use the club as a, a platform for young, talented players whether local players or international, to uh, to obviously to develop these players to play for for Circle in a pro league, or play for Monaco in a league 1, or somewhere else bigger if needed, um, and then maybe have a salon fee and, and uh, a high revenue from from these players. But for me, it's uh, it's a line project, you know, to Monaco that. Um, uh, link to Monaco strategy, but also you know support their process, you know to develop you know their players. And then lately we saw some even players from Monaco uh, who didn't have the game time and the opportunity to play in 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 that level. So they come and give us you know the boost and they give us you know the opportunity to work with them, uh, give them the opportunity to have the game time in the, in the very intense uh, and energetic you know bro league. And then maybe they go back. To, to Monaco and uh, have their starting, uh, be in a starting lineup in the future. That will be an area where you're very, very experienced and very strong in working with young players and developing young players with your background that you've had. Yes, of course, people, a lot of people probably, especially back home, are asking me, you know, from, from a head coach in some experience and then back to assistant coach, why, why I circle Bruges, I felt every time I came back, you know, to circle Bruges, I felt really uh, comfortable with uh, the way um, this project is running. Uh, it's, it's very aligned to my uh, profile as a as a coach. Waiting for the for the better opportunity to come, but you know it's a, it's an enjoyable, you know, hard working, you know, um, disciplined and energetic environment with a lot of intensity on a daily basis. So it's it's part of me, um, uh, but also developing, um, working on details with the, with the players uh, on a daily basis and then uh, um, assist them and then work with them to go to the next level uh, on on all four corners um, and this is aligned like you mentioned you know with my background as a as a former academy uh, coach in Southampton um, I worked you know for eight years around eight years in the club as a as a, a first assistant coach and then I took over as a head coach, U23 head coach, uh, and give me obviously the boost to, you know, to learn from these young talent players on a daily basis as a coach, of course. And what are the secrets of working with young players, do you think? How, how is it different? So I'm thinking things like the individual development you talked about, and then also maybe you, you have to be more patient than you would be with a more senior player. I think, I think personally, uh, I feel like um, it's, it's, it's a great challenge to develop and win games at the same time. Uh, it's a great challenge and that keeps me engaged on a daily basis because, you know, the challenge is, you know, these players, they need time to learn. They need time to learn from all different aspects. And especially, you know, when you're speaking about 22, 24 years old, between these 22, 24 years old players, they need, it's more about learning how to win. So they have the basics, they have the technical ability, they should have the technical ability, they should have the physical ability, and then the knowledge. But it's more about, you know, understanding what take you to win the games. And this is the challenge a bit for me, and this is what I love, and this is what I keep exploring on a daily basis. And even I called my philosophy as a develop to win, win to develop, because it goes different ways and go 
uh, opposite ways. Uh, and it's always go back to preparation and the details that you're gonna uh, give to these players. And this is the most, you know, um, obsessive thing for me as a head coach or as a coach. And also uh, trying, you know, to find the right, you know, combination on a daily basis. Uh, and if you find it, you, you, it's unbelievable uh, result. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, with development players, there is no consistency. So you always be prepared that they're not going to be consistent. Uh, um, there will be some uh, period where the, when the performance go down and that's where you need to uh, prepare, you know, to, uh, to win again. And we're seeing more and more clubs in England now who want managers and head coaches who can develop players. So we're seeing more head coaches come out of the under-21s into senior teams. But that is a hard balance, as you say, isn't it? So clubs might say they want that, but then they don't give the head coach that long if he's not winning. Yeah, of course. It, it's a, I always call football it's a fake business. So I understand totally you know, that there is always the factor of the time uh, against you know, the, the coaches, especially because developing players, is, it's, uh, it's time. Uh, but winning and 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 uh, and uh, the football business don't need a lot of time, especially now with the other challenges um, like the media, social media, and then uh, all these challenges. You know the 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 hierarchy, roller coaster, all the emotions you need to you manage. You know um, uh, up and down. But but for me, is 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 a clarity on the strategy, and then. Everyone knowing the, the 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 ultimate you know objectives and how we're gonna get to that objectives and the steps leading to that it's it's key for me and everyone has to share that and everyone has to be aware of it from uh, from top to bottom and then from there at least you know you you have a guidance you have a aligned strategy that everyone connected to included the players uh, and then hopefully you can you can build something you know an interesting like like we have now in in Circle Bruges obviously as I said to you we uh, we we play with a with a very young team um, our challenge is on on a weekly basis to keep them engaged uh, we know there is a lot of emotion there there is a lot of you know um, ups and downs performances whether individually or collectively but you know as a as a hard working team. We, we keep, you know, um, always exploring and digging around, you know, what we can improve and how we can improve it and then try, you know, to engage the players, you know, to, to keep that consistency and keep the focus and also learning from, from the, uh, the experience on a daily basis. And is the relationship building particularly important with young players that you build that trust with them, that they trust you and have faith in you that you believe in them? Yeah, of course. It's all go back to relationship for me. But then it variates from individual to another. Another good thing is we have a multicultural, multi-background team. So we had we have players from all the globe. We had from Brazil. We have you know from from uh, France, from Africa, from Ghana, from from England. From so so we have a different culture and we have a a different uh, language speaking. Uh, and even our staff is more like a multi-language, um, which is something that. Um, it's very interesting as well. Building the relationship with the players, um, we make it look uh, uh, we, we make it look informal, but it's basically organized and planned. So each each coach has his own task um, and uh, task players, and then we we try you know to build that relationship with the players, and then understand their strengths, their weaknesses, their fears, their 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 favorites things, for us to be able you know to pass the right message because you know I, I think. That's a key, and that's uh, that's what can make the success of of a coach or not is is building a relationship with the with the staff and the players, um, and then make the players feel comfortable, you know, to to express themselves, and then from there, you uh, you you can explore, you can use expertise as a as a former player, as a as a coach developer. To uh, to engage these players and make them perform at their highest, and that's that's the ultimate objective. Is is we want the players, independently of they do mistake or no, we want them to perform at their highest on a daily basis, whether training sessions, and then when the games comes, you know, they need to perform at their highest, and then we can assess 
that performance in relation to our principles and in relation to our, our values. We've done interviews with quite a few assistant managers and the duties can vary quite a lot. So how would you describe yours on a day-to-day basis when you're on the training pitch? What, what would you be doing? Uh, obviously, I have a task same as uh, all the coaches here. Uh, my main task is, uh, is taking care of the defending setup, uh, especially the back four. Uh, the centre-backs, as a, as a former centre-back, obviously my, my expertise you know, and my uh, value, maybe the add value to, to, to these young uh, centre-backs. But also as an um, as experienced coach, um, I add value to any other aspects, you know, not necessary, not necessary defending. I can get involved to to planning, to uh, to decision making, to to uh, the starting eleven, to to anything. We have open, we have open environment in general. We we can we can express ourselves whether with the with the sporting director or with the with the head coach. Um, but mainly, my job is is looking after the centre backs and. Uh, uh, taking care of the centre backs, whether it's specific, whether it's uh, in a training eleven v eleven, whether in the meetings uh, as a unit or as individuals, uh, whether it's a feedback or preparing for the next game, everything related to that. Thanks, Radhi. And I, I was going to spin all the way back now to the start of your life in Tunisia. Uh, I wonder if you could just tell us a bit about that because it would be very different to sort of my growing up. I would have thought. Yeah, definitely. You know, we we have a different background. I'm born in Tunisia uh, and raised in Tunisia, and this is probably a uh, not common theme, not not something usually we hear about in England, uh, because you know, when when I first came to England, you know, people asked me where you're from. I said I'm Tunisian. People they think yeah, I'm speaking about Indonesia, so <laughs> so it's totally it's totally uh, it's totally different. So I'm um, I'm born in Tunisia, which is in North Africa, specifically in Gebis. Uh, it's a little town down the south uh, uh, of Tunisia. That's where I uh, discovered, obviously, the street football, uh, as it was, you know, our main uh, hobby, uh, play, play in the street and practice, you know, football, because we love football. Tunisia is a very, a very famous country with, uh, with football. Um, and then from, from street, I, I went to formal football, uh, a little bit organized uh, in Stade Gabzien, which is the main team in, in Gebis. And then from there, I started to enhance and practice, you know, my, my skills and organized, an organized environment. At age of uh, 17, I moved to uh, Esperance of Tunisia, uh, up north, one of the biggest clubs in Africa, obviously, uh, very known club uh, in, in the continent, clubs who play for 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 trophies, um, clubs with a big tradition and big, big history. Um, I spent eleven years there. Uh, eleven years. Uh, to be fair, the start was difficult due to my background. Um, a big centre backs, you know, struggled a little bit with my my technical skills, but I was really powerful, strong with my heading. So I I was like on the bench, come in, score goal with the header, but then next next game I found myself on the bench again. So that kept me always uh, focused on my uh, skills, uh, focused on improving myself on a daily basis, uh, and then try to prove wrong, you know, to, to the coaches and to the ownership. Uh, till my, my opportunity comes, obviously at age of, I think, 23, 24, I took my, uh, my place uh, as a starter. Uh, and then took it from there. Obviously, twenty-seven, uh, I was the maybe the first Tunisian who, born and raised in Tunisia, to move to the uh, prestigious, you know, Premier League uh, through Bolton uh, Gate. And then I discovered, you know, the real professionalism, the real um, world of football that answered a lot of questions that I had as a youngster. Uh, but then I found, you know, all, most of the answers in in Premier League and in England. We uh, we had a great season to 2004-2005 with uh, with our qualification to the Europa League. Uh, we had a good team, very good team, uh, very uh, experienced team, but also a lot of quality. Uh, I don't know how Samaladais did to bring these these all of these players together from JJ Okocha, El Hajjouf, and mix it up with uh, Fernando Hierro, Evan Campo, 
Bruno Ngotti, uh, Nico Hunt, not to not to miss, you know, many. There's a lot of many superstars. Uh, Edith Nakata, Japanese, came, you know, to Bolton Wanderers. So, so yeah, it was a great team, but I learned a lot from that. 2006, I left to Birmingham City with Steve Bruce. It was a championship season. Obviously, you had a great season where, where Steve Bruce built a, a young mixed team with uh, some experienced uh, players like myself. And then we got to the promotion that year. We played the Premier League and then we get relegation again and then promotion again. So it was like a, a yo-yo uh, a process. But um, up, up to promotion the second year, I left to Southampton where I finished my career there. And again, you know, with Southampton, I had a great, great, you know, experience as a football player and especially as a head, as a coach. Uh, I learned, you know, the basics of coaching. I learned, you know, basic of developing. I learned the basics of, of um, managing and leading. And uh, I'm really grateful for that. Brilliant. And you've covered a big uh, period of time there, obviously, your whole playing career. It was, it's still very unusual now, isn't it, for a Premier League club to sign a player directly from Africa, as Bolton did with you. There are not too many examples, I don't think. Yeah, it changed a lot, the recruitment strategy, obviously, especially from country uh, and continent like uh, African continent. I, I, as I said, you know, I think, I think Bolton Wanderers, some of the that have different way, even that time. But, you know, most of the uh, European teams that they want to take most of risk, risk now, especially from financial perspective, I think they, they, they waited for, they're waiting for the African players to go to, uh, I call them the feeding leagues, like, like Switzerland, you know, Belgium, maybe France, and, and some, some leagues, they, 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 they call them the feeding leagues, who they bring, you know, these players from, from Africa, from different, you know, continents, Asia, give them the opportunity if they stood up to the challenge and they show quality then maybe uh they get them to uh to that level but uh, they maybe take a they may be again you know the i think from business and financial perspective uh clubs bigger clubs they wanted to ensure that money go in the right place um because you know gambling and bringing players from africa where you don't know exactly you know how consistent and how um, high this player can go, maybe take a risk. And then maybe even Africa as well started to change little bits because, you know, there is a lot of clubs who go and invest in, in Africa and then build a training center with, a, with some uh, expertise or local expertise and then keep that connection and maybe uh, bring these players, you know, to, uh, to Europe. And, you know, the, the, the difference and the challenge is big for these young players. Um, you're not speaking just about, you know, the, uh, the football Speaking about the culture, the language, the weather, the food, um, all this needs needs uh, needs support. All this need uh, uh, assistance. Do you think it's a big untapped market, really, for the Premier League? There's so much talent there that they're not fully tapping into yet. Uh, maybe, but but I know from the fact you know there is a lot of challenges from different continents as well. Asia now, Japan, China. Uh, maybe the product is slightly better because you know of, of the. Uh, the structure there is much better than Africa, uh, so I understand. And, and America now, with the USA as well coming on on, on board, so the, there is a lot of competition there. Uh, and then each each club, each company has its own, you know, connection has its own uh, strategy. I know from the fact that African talents are good, um, and then maybe this is something that we wanted to do back in uh, back in two thousand and. Uh, uh, Eleven in Southampton, it didn't work, but um, but I, I think there is uh, always an opportunities, you know, to uh, to exploit and explore the talented, which is which is natural talent. So um, you just need, you know, to find the right, you know, breed and the right, the right, you know, uh, connection there. You hit the ground running straight away, didn't you? You were seemed to be straight in the team. You played really, really well. You seemed to fit in with the other players, you know. It's quite amazing, really, when you'd had all your career in Tunisia before. Yeah, I think uh, I can even go to people who were surprised when they uh, saw me performing, you know, that way. But that's a combination of me being hungry, you know, to showcase, you know, my ability. Also, it was my dream to play in England. Uh, I always follow, as I said, Tunisia, we really um, passionate about football, especially, you know, the Premier League. And I always was watching the Premier League. 
Um, but I, I was in an environment where it was more difficult than what people think. Um, and then when I came to England, I found it easy. Uh, even even though the Premier League was intense, the Premier League was you know very physical, but I was working very hard uh, and I was I was you know performing you know the the way I needed to perform uh, in preparation for potential opportunity uh, when it comes. So um, the only the only loss for me I came I came to England, age twenty eight years old, uh, and in Tunisia it's end of a career, but you know. Uh, but you know, I stood up to the challenge, and uh, I played till in Premier League, you know, till thirty thirty one, before I go back to Birmingham, uh, where I uh, I went down to the Championship and then back to Premier League again. So so, and then I stopped football at age thirty seven. So I think I think I was preparing myself, even though I was in a different environment. I was in a, in a very hostile, intense. A difficult environment, uh, which is in, uh, in 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 Africa, I, I I found myself ready because I prepared myself, and and that's a key for me now, even in in my uh, coaching and dealing with with the players, it's all about preparation, uh, whether it's mentally or or physically or tactically or whatever task, I think is be prepared for potential uh, opportunity. Being prepared means you know. You know, uh, obsessively look after yourself. Do what needs to be done for you to be able to take the opportunity. And what were your first impressions of England when when you first stepped off the plane? <laughs> the weather and the food—that's the first thing. <laughs> so, so um, <laughs> the weather was, you know, the most, you know, um, maybe difficult thing to accept. Because you know, um, I remember my first day in in England. I came I came from Tunisia in, in August. So August in Tunisia, for the ones who don't know, is, is 45 degrees. So sunshine, very, very nice and warm. Uh, we have the beach and it's the summertime, so people enjoying it. So I took the plane, I came to Bolton. Wonder, Bolton, it was rainy and it was grey. So that was like, okay, maybe it's the first day. Let's, let's see tomorrow, same thing. <laughs> Next week, same thing. The week after, same thing, and it was depressing. So, so, <laughs> so I remember, I remember the doc uh, was giving me giving me the uh, artificial uh, UV UV you know uh, yeah. machine, but it didn't work. You know, my wife she told me, okay, I'm going to finish my holiday in Tunisia. When you have time, you know, catch me up. <laughs> I, I think you know. Um, it's difficult when you when you North African when you French linked uh, and French culture, you think you think England is is Europe. Uh, and this is maybe give we're gonna give you know uh, uh, a reason for the Brexit, but you know it's totally different. I think I think England is different, uh, different culture, different mindset, uh, and even like I said, the French we uh, Tunisia we were very uh, influenced with the with the French. But uh, uh, and the Europe, but you know, it's totally different. That it was a, it was a, a, a bit of a, a shock, culture shock for me to, to to deal with. Uh, and as I said, you know, maybe I, I came old, but that helped me to integrate myself, and that's that was a key for me. So uh, on the pitch, I find myself, you know, uh, very integrated, um, but not not forgetting what Bolton Wanderers. Uh, um, done that time, and I think I think that was a uh, another key that helped me integrate. Which is uh, Bolton. We had I think that time we had fifteen different nationality. Oh wow! And and and, and the club has a psychologist, uh, and the club has a sports science, and they had a performance, a vast performance team that uh, included the the players' care, and and that was a a, a key. Uh, that helped me and some others, you know, to integrate, you know, quickly, because you know, um, me and my, me and my family, my wife and my daughter at that time, um, we needed that external help. We need so, someone who help us outside the pitch to integrate, understand, you know, the the culture, uh, understand how things works. Um, I remember that my daughter, you know, had, she had a fever a couple of times, so it was difficult for me to understand that I need to go to the hospital and wait for a couple of hours, you know, till the doctor come uh, to see her. While in Tunisia, it's a call and then the doctor will come to you at home and then and, and sort it out. So these are small things 
maybe maybe people don't notice, but they can very uh, can impact on on the players um, and the and the integration. So so the players care was key uh, to us, uh, the foreigner players, you know, to integrate and then helped us, you know, to to focus on our on our job uh, as a as a football players. Bolton that time it was ahead of the of that time. Our podcast sponsor Huddle offer exclusive video and data from the best youth football competitions in the world with Y Scout Youth Competitions. From under 14s to 21s, scout the best talent playing in the major youth football competitions around the globe. Make the correct scouting decisions with objective data from over 70 competitions, 900 teams, and 11,000 players. For more information, go to huddle.com forward slash TGG forward slash Scout. Quite a lot of people see Big Sam as being old school and they might laugh a little bit, but I mean, he, he was ahead of his time on the sports science, wasn't he? And also, it's a bit of a genius to be able to pull all those different nationalities and cultures together. So was he very, very good at that? Yeah, obviously I was a player at that time, but what I, uh, what I remember basically it's... Um, I, I don't agree he was old school because I think he adapted to the personality and the players, the quality of the players we had. Uh, and that proved successful, to be fair. Okay, as long as we were winning games and then we 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 make it to Europa, um, that time is not it's not easy task. And uh, using using obviously the physicality of uh, Kevin Davis, uh, and using the on a second ball we using you know the quality of JJ Kocha, Yanakopoulos, um, uh, uh, and then you know the the great midfielders we had you know Ivan Campo, Gary Speed, Kevin Nolan. It was, it was, it was, you know, that that was the profile of, of our team. Uh, he didn't want us, you know, uh, centre backs to uh, to keep the ball more than two, three passes, you know, before we go forward. And and we can see now a lot of team, you know, using this strategy, you know, to uh, to get to the final third as quick as possible, um, create create stress in the uh, in the opposition. Uh, half or, or, or eighteen yard box, and then and then uh, and then score goals, and and for me that was um, that was a key, um, because when I remember when I first came of Tunisia, we like to play football, we like to play progress, you know, from the back, and I came back as a centre back who wanted to give a pass, you know, to the full back, and then full back gave it back to me, and then me give it to Bruno Gotti, and Bruno Gotti give it to uh, Ricky Garden. So the first pass, you know, side pass, he stopped it. What are you doing? Yeah. And then I said, okay, I tried to play football. So, okay, I give it to JJ Kocha, we lost the ball, and then it's a counter-attack. So I said, okay, stop it there. Please get the ball into Gavin Davis, and he will challenge the centre-back. Either we will the first and the second ball, or he's going to flick it, and again, we're going to take it from there. And then it was successful. So I think, you know, coaches need to adapt to the place, and this is my, 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 my beliefs as well. Um, the system, the, the the animation is all adapted to the players' quality that you have and then make sure the players look good, make sure the players that perform at the highest and, of course, keep on working on their weaknesses. Was there anything in particular he did to create that bonding? Like, we, we've spoken to Kevin Davis and he talked about a couple of trips to Dubai that when you had the free time, things like that. Um, can, can you remember any examples of... a? Bonding sessions. Yeah, definitely, definitely. One one that stayed in my mind because you know I had to pay, uh, I had to pay one week the one week uh, uh, wages, um, <laughs> and it was uh, it it was uh, the first I think first three months, uh, I think we had a Wednesday off, so uh, every Tuesday night we had to meet in the local restaurant at Bolton, players maybe players and their partners partners if they want. But you must come to have a dinner and then maybe a little bit of music and then you go back home. So by, by 11.30 midnight, you back home because the next day is off. So, so I acted like I didn't understand. So I missed the first, I missed the first you know, dinner. 
and then the next day, the guys that were speaking about, oh yeah, yeah, okay, we had the final and stuff, and then and then Sam Aladice uh, came to me and he said, you know, you need to pay. And I think I think DJ Kocha as well didn't come, so we had to pay one week wages. Wow, that's quite a lot. And and for me it was a shock because I already pay tax and then I'm gonna pay, you know, uh, I'm gonna pay one week wages. So it's uh, it's uh, it's why why are you doing this for me? He said, no, you have to come. So the next time I came, and then I really enjoyed it. Because, you know, I had to meet the players outside the pitch, outside the changing room, uh, in a different environment. It's a relaxed and then bonding environment. And then uh, that was, you know, uh, for three months, every, every Tuesday, uh, especially when we play Saturday to Saturday, every Tuesday night, we meet up in a local uh, restaurant um, led by the club. So it's, it's organized and then it's planned by the club. Um, and that you have no idea how much, you know, that created, you know, a, a bonding between us. Uh, and then we started obviously to plan in the same restaurant by ourselves toward the, toward the end of the, of the period. And then we, we had a connection with our families. We have connection with our, with our uh, colleagues. Um, and that created that bonding between uh, the difference of uh, different nationality and different backgrounds. Uh, and then, uh, and then you can you can see we transfer it, you know, to the to the pitch. Would Sam ever sing at those sessions? I've seen him doing a karaoke before. I, c- I can't remember he was there because you know it was you know just you know planned for the players, and then uh. even even the uh, even the the players care they were they were just you know taking care of the of us, but you know it was just players, and and that that was the 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 good thing about it. So we felt we felt. We felt comfortable and and uh, uh, between us. And that was a heck of a team, wasn't it? As well, I think in your first season they finished sixth and qualified for Europe, as you say. And then I think the next season was eighth. So you know that that was a really good team. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, it it was a good team. And 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 when you speak about you know good team, you're speaking about high level, high level of quality uh, players. Again, you know, I don't know how some of that to bring, for example, a legend like Fernando Hierro from, from Spain, who, who was a captain in Real Madrid, and then J.J. Okocha from Paris Saint-Germain, El Hajdiou from Liverpool, uh, Edith Nakata. You know, this is not to mention, you know, the, the already players who, who've been there. So um, it's, 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 a, it's a big, big names uh, and a, a big team. But, you know, I think the hardest bit as, a, as I'm a coach now is to engage these players. You know, you know when you when you have superstars, you have high ego. But you know to engage these players, and that's the quality of Sam. Sam he always look, you know, positive. Looks, you know, happy. Uh, we don't see him much in training ground. I remember we had Phil Brown. We had, uh, and after that we had Sammy Lee as a coaches. We 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 train hard and then we work hard. But then Sam comes on Friday uh, to do the the preparation of the uh, the team starting eleven, the preparation and strategy, and then we go. For the game, uh, and then he was playing much on on a psychology psychology sometimes. Um, I remember some of the crazy things that we that we didn't uh, understand at the start is is when we're gonna go to play against Manu, Alex Ferguson. Sometimes he give us three days before three days off before the game. You're speaking about three days, not one day. <laughs> three days. So so. He said, okay, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're off, guys. Come on Thursday if you want to, to do some bits. And then Friday, game prep, and then Saturday, come game, come to play. You know, I was worried, to be fair. So I had to go to do some stretch, you know, some running and some stuff. Uh, because, you know, uh, it's something that I'm not used to. But, you know, it comes to a day we perform. It comes to the game day we perform. And then we, we make it difficult for, for that strong manual that time uh but then that was a psychology so we he knows maybe we, we bolton maybe we're not going to win against manual but that creating that you know psychological shock um it's it, it creates you know maybe an opportunity for for the players to react and then we always come back with a with a great performance i remember our first game my first game against manual at Oribok stadium we did 2-2 uh, and it was a great, you know, uh, a game uh, against uh, against a big, big menu. So, so um, 
again, he, he innovates, uh, he brings some, some new stuff. And especially for me, coming from North Africa, from, from Africa, um, I started to learn and started to have, you know, some great, you know, insight on what, what does that mean? Um, high level Premier League. What does that mean? You know, um, uh, uh, professionalism, high level and professionalism. And it was quite a famous backroom staff, really, wasn't it, in terms of the jobs people have gone on to do since. So, like, Mike Ford was there, was he, at that time, who went on to Chelsea and now in the United States? Yes. Yeah. Yes, obviously. My, fir- my first meeting was uh, after, you know, say hi to Sambaladais was, was uh, with Mike Ford. Uh, and then, and then uh, I remember he, his influence was, was huge on the team. Uh, he's he's so he's so energetic, so positive. Uh, he has uh, his own way of speaking, you know, with a lot of energy. And um, I still remember, I still remember the the his influence even on my on my mindset uh, on me because you know. After you know, I did the uh, fit the, the psychology tests, and after you know having a chat with him and I had a couple of sessions, we come out with a with a say, um, and he was he put that on my locker: fulfill people's dreams, and and that has you know a huge impact on my way of of operating on a daily basis and on my attitude, because uh, because you know uh, when I came from Tunisia, I was I was feeling that I was an ambassador for these young players uh, who maybe don't have the, didn't have the opportunity that I have uh, to play in the Premier League as a, as a first Tunisian you know, uh, player. And um, I need you know, to open this gate you know, for, for these young uh, talented players who maybe, maybe they don't see that opportunity. So, so that drives me you know, throughout the years and even still use it now. Um, and for me, it's uh, for me it's key. It's key because you know uh, that give me the guidance and give me the uh, the opportunity to you know, to perform at my highest. Yeah, and I remember obviously my my first six months I was flying. To be fair, you know I I um, I performed really well and scored some some of the uh, goals uh, against big teams. Um, Probably my first goal against Arsenal in the old Highbury was was the highlight. And we only talked very quickly about your childhood, but it, it sounds from what I've read that it was a tough childhood. And I read that your father died um, when it was it eleven years old. I read in an interview. Well, tough. I don't know, um, but you know, um, surely it's 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 better than some, uh, but it's worse than some. But. Uh, what what I took from that, if I step back now, I see the bigger picture. Um, that that took me to to a level who where I am now. That uh, uh, drive me, drove me on a, on a daily basis. You know the uh, to to achieve you know my objectives. Uh, there are some objectives that I achieved. There are some that I I'm still working on, but you know um, that helped me to. To be who I am now, uh, it's it's more of uh, what is my my mindset look now compared to if these things didn't happen. Uh, and we always have in Tunisia say you know things things happen for a reason, and I think you know the reason is as I make it to the Premier League, as I as I make it to uh, to be an international player uh, who played 105 you know caps for my country and played two World Cups and scored goal in World Cups. Which is something I I never I, I didn't even dream about, and that I made. So so I see it like that. But you know it was it was difficult, uh, especially the the loss of my dad at age of uh, twelve years old, uh, because I was uh, really attached to my dad and uh, he was my my reference. And then suddenly you find yourself without that reference, uh, and it was not easy. Uh, but you know um, that helped me to find you know the man who I am now. Um, and then look after my family as, as, as much as I can. And we, we have a big debate at the moment in football circles about academies and whether it's too easy for players or whether they get too much at too young an age. 
you came from the opposite of that, I guess. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's a big debate. Um, and, and, for me, and for me, there is no right or wrong as long as, um, as long as you show success. But, you know, there is something that we need to understand, especially, especially you know, when I speak to, uh, to uh, former players, uh, former successful players um, in different levels, different category. We try obviously to compare ourselves or compare them to ourselves, which is the first wrong thing for me, because each generation has its own, you know, challenges, and and uh, each generation has their way of operating. And I think we need to understand, you know, this generation is 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 struggling massively with the distraction, uh, and I think the the biggest distraction for me is this: I have a son who's seventeen years old. He's uh, my reference. To be fair, if I wanted to try something and new thing, so I I I I, I try it on him, and um, it's very difficult for them. Uh, so we need to understand this and try to guide them and support that. And this is the challenge for some former players and some coaches. The challenge is to accept first, accept that this generation is different, and that's how talent look like now. That's the talent how the talent look like now. Okay, if they're on social media, if they, you know, put in, you know, swag, they have, a, you know, clothes, they have, you know, you know, pinky, orange boots, whatever. That's them now. That's them. That's how they look. But our challenge as a, as a coaches, as a leaders and as a guidance is to help them find these values. And this for me, the difference. So it's a different generation and different environment, but same values. So I, my, my job is to help them find these values, understand these values and apply them. Uh, and then if I need, if need me to watch, you know, some, some, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, Netflix season that I have no clue about, you know, if I need to see that, I'll, I'll, I'll see it. So uh, I have to listen to some songs, some music with my son to understand how I can connect with him and understand how I speak about him, you know, about that rapper or about that singer or about that, you know, uh, clothes or about that things for me to be able to guide them to the right value, to the right, you know, uh, directions. And that's, that's the hardest bit for some, you know, for some of us because we don't accept already the way they do it. And, uh, and this is my advice for me, you know, even for the clubs in the academy is to find, you know, the, the, what can engage these players. As a coach, you need to find what engage this place. If you need to, as I said, if you need to, you know, to, to change the way you talk, if you need to change, you know, the way you listen to the music and then, you know, open a conversation with a with a title of a Netflix series or with a with a social media video or whatever. Why not? Because it's still influencing, still you still have the values that you need to transfer to this place and then find a way to engage them. And that, that's our objectives. Is, is engage them to perform at the highest on a daily basis. It doesn't matter about the mistakes, but we want them to perform at the highest for, for them to be able to progress. And you talked about those core values, underlying values. What are they? The, the main values for me is hard work, discipline, and winning mentality. I think these are the three that I always use myself and also try to pass them to, to the players. Um, Hard work, nothing comes without hard work. And, and the, the, the perception of hard work sometimes is not go and run. It's not go outside and run. Sometimes you need to hard, work hard you know, to improve your mindset. Recognize your psychologically, recognize your weaknesses in, psychologically, in psychology. And then try to you know, uh, create a new... Um, ways and new new uh, tricks for you to be able to to be obsessed about you know that the the job um and then and then commitment it's it's something that definitely you know it's a challenge as i said sometimes you you fail you fail in a trap so you need to be always focused ready to counter any distraction for you to be able to stay committed to your job to your profession um, and then winning mentality for me is key as well because, because you know, without winning, without having the desire to win, 
especially from the young academy players, if you don't have the desire to win, you won't improve. We understand you're going to do mistakes. We understand you're going to lose. But then, you know, showing the next day with the right mentality to go and improve yourself and go to win, you won't succeed if you don't do that. I think I read someone, I can't remember who it was, but they were saying the key thing for success nowadays is being able to avoid distraction or cope with distraction. That would be the key thing, the people who can have the discipline to not be distracted. Yeah, I, um, I, I definitely, as I said, you know, I, I try obviously to innovate myself and then try to accept, you know, our environment at this moment. And even us as an adult, um, sometimes we find ourselves distracted. So imagine, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old, a player who has the money, who has, you know, the fame, okay, and he has everything around him. So, so for me, for me, having that awareness um, of the environment around you is key for this uh, for this generation. And then for our job is to make them aware of that uh, in their way. It's not in our way because, you know, as I said, you know, uh, my son look at me. Every time, and this is this is something that I really it's really stay in my head. My son looked at me. My, my said, "Dad, you're 48 years old. You know your generation is totally different." And then I look at him and say, "Yeah, it's right." If I speak to him about something in my generation, he look at me. He will say, "Yeah, that's his main excuse." I already give him the excuse in his hand. But if I bring something, you know, that he was not even expecting, something he knew just come out yesterday, he will say, "Oh, Dad, is 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 updated." So, yeah, yeah, that's at least you know open the uh, the the conversation, and yeah. then and then you can swing around you know the the ideas, swing around you know the the conversation for you to be able you know, to to get that agreement because you know mm. the, it's still an agreement between you and the player, between you you and the kid to 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 take the steps you know forward. And that shows a humility, doesn't it, on your part that you're willing to look at his world and find out a bit about that. You don't think you know everything and that he should always adapt to you. Exactly, exactly. I think the worst, the worst scenario for this generation, I think, especially speaking about 17, 18 years old, is them adapted to you. It's, it's horrible for them. They don't see it. They don't see it. Uh, when you say 17, you speak about, you know, teenager. And, and, and the teenagers, one of the characteristics is arrogance, being arrogant. That's the first thing. Uh, and go against what you're saying. Um, for for you to be able, you know, to 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 manage that is to show when you're you're flexible. You're not rigid. You're not bringing this value, and that's it. Uh, showing that you you are your doors are open, so you open to conversation. Sometimes you have to accept that they speak to you. Um, um, not without respect, but more of like a, uh, they say their opinion the way they, they say it. Sometimes it's arrogant. Sometimes it's very harsh on on me. So for me, because <laughs> my son seventeen years old, and sometimes speaks to me, and they're like, hey, you speak to me, and there's no respect. There. But but it's 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 mainly be aware of myself for me to be able to to help you. So hold my emotion, control my emotion. Uh, understand my reactions, uh, my psychology, for me to be able, you know, to to understand his psychology and his his uh, mindset, for me to be able to to uh, uh, help him. And then this is go back to the 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 strategies that um, we had. We had a psychologist called Malcolm Frame at Southampton. Yeah, yeah. He came out with the four A's, and and to, to be fair, I couldn't find you know something. Uh, more uh, something easier and something you know uh, clear to to teach uh, the four A, which accept, um, assess, adapt, and apply, um, and and then you can apply this you know in in every moment and in every situation, whether whether for like a sudden moment or long term strategy. So accepting is more about uh, accept the situation, accept the situation is more about accept what you're facing. Okay, whether it's it's in a game, if you lose in one nail, if you concede goal, you have to accept. You concede one goal. So as much as you accept, as quick as you accept, you start to assess your brain. Start to assess. Okay, what do we need to do now? What what are the what are the key you know um, 
aspect for us to be able, you know, to go back or to stop, you know, what the opposition do, do, do for us. And then from, from started to assess, you started to adapt yourself to it. Okay, now we're going to adjust, you know, whether the style of play, the, 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 our shape or maybe change. And then from there you, you adapt and then you, uh, you apply. And, and so, so this process, you can, you can use it in, in 10 seconds. If, you, if you're in control, you, you have a really good uh, uh, success. Uh, the percentage of success is always better you know, in, in your decisions. What are your own ambitions for the future as a, as a football coach and manager? The ultimate, the ultimate is to succeed with a European uh, team as a head coach. I still, I still have the, the ambition, the desire, the energy, the obsession you know, to, to, to make it. Despite the difficulties, despite, you know, the, the, the bias, the unconscious bias, whatever you want to call it, all these challenges that managers already, you know, face uh, and uh, what, all the challenges that I faced. What do you mean by that? Sorry, to cut in, do you mean, do you mean as a black coach? Yeah, maybe. So um, I, yeah. I, I, I'm black, I'm North African. Um, minority, mm. uh, still, still different to some uh, other style. I'm not bold, I'm not, you know, acting much, but, you know, I, I have my own style, I have my own way of, of coaching and leading. I just need, you know, to find that, that, you know, little door open. And as soon as I'm in, I think um, I, have, I have a lot to, to contribute. Um, and uh, uh, and my desire and my ambition grow every day. I, I feel like you know, I feel like you know, the the day the day I'm gonna get the opportunity, I'm gonna explode. Hopefully in a positive way. So so yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The the because 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 you know, um, I did everything needs to be done to to be. Uh, to be the coach that I am now, uh, the experience, the 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 qualification, uh, and everything needs. Um, the only thing missing is is getting that opportunity, uh, especially in Europe, either through Circle Bruges or, or any other Belgium team or, or back in England because I'm still based in England, still based in Southampton. Um, so so hopefully hopefully that's that's my ambition my ambition that they always say. They always say, you know, don't say your objectives um, as a, as a leader and management. But uh, but this is something that I uh, I said, you know, every day and every time, and I feel like you know uh, uh, my 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 desire grows on a daily basis. And something we've not really touched on at all is your faith, and that there aren't many uh, managers of a Muslim background uh, that I could think of in England or or even Europe. Yeah, uh, this is this is more of a personal, I think, Simon. But uh, um, I don't mind speak about it. There is some individuals they 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 keep you know com- keep it confidential. Confidential. Um, uh, but you know, as uh, as uh, honest and transparent as I am, and uh, as a multi cultured you know as I am, and uh, Tunisian especially. I'm open, you know, to to everyone. Um, I'm open to integrity, and uh, I uh, and uh, why not? Why not? You know, yes, I, I, I'm Muslim and I'm a proud, but also, but also, I try always to to show the right um, uh, image about you know uh, Muslim people. Um, and yes, we we have we have coaches. We 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 have uh, people like myself who who. Um, they're ambitious to be to be the uh, in, the, in the highest possible uh, uh, in 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 coaching, uh, but uh, again, you know, it's it's more of uh, personal. I know there is a lot of you know talk about you know political talks. I I never, I never. It's a thin line, and try to stay in my in my lane. Thank you so much for your time, and best of luck with the rest of your career. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. You know, Simon, um, it's always a pleasure. Um, so it was a pleasure, you know, to uh, to be involved with you guys. I know you're uh, you have a, a great platform that uh, I hear myself. I and I always listen to some of the experts that uh, come uh, through this platform, and then hopefully, you know, my voice, you know, will will help either some young generation 
but also you know uh, from coaches and and players but also uh, hopefully to see better uh, world of, of football and, and coaching that's fantastic thank you thank you for listening to the training ground guru podcast in association with huddle we'll be back next month with another episode in the meantime you can follow our latest updates on the website and on twitter at ground underscore guru